are sounding like Yoshi Tetsugo will be back in Pittsburgh for another year. And you know, I'm really, really okay with that. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. Alex Stumpf, our Pirates beat writer at DK Pittsburgh Sports, reported last night on the site from a source that the Pirates are in pretty deep discussions with Tsutsugo regarding a one-year deal. And i, I got to admit, that threw me a little bit, especially the component where it's Yoshi who wants the one year. Because if you think about it, it would make more sense for the player who's 30 years old, who largely, the better part of his two years so far in North America, did not do well, had a month and a half where he was Babe Ruth here for the Pirates, that 863 OPS and Eight home runs in 43 games. And you would think that he'd be more into the cash and saying, hey, you know, I'll take two years if you guys really believed so much in those handful of weeks. But instead, he's looking for a, a, a prove-it type of deal where if he signs with Pittsburgh, if he does well and he's got the one-year contract, a couple of things can happen. If the Pirates fall out of contention, which of course they will, then they can move him and get some pretty nice pieces in return, meaning to a contender, an actual contender. And then after that, he can hit the open market and look for a much bigger payday. There's no way... There's no way that Yoshi or his agent would have reasonably been expecting that market to be thick across Major League Baseball when he just had a handful of good weeks. The team that was going to be the most likely to believe that it was real would be the Pirates. Definitely. They oversaw it. They were around him every day. There's no amount of analytics or video footage that can replace that. So if they have that confidence and they see him as being worth the price, even for a year, then as I've been saying steadily since September, it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by North Shore Tavern, home of Steak on a Stone, home of the city's best sports bar environment, home of the best, the very best selection of craft brews that you can find. Check out North Shore Tavern directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. Yoshi's a good ball player. Yoshi's going to make a difference in 2022. I don't care at all what he'd mean 
to the longer-term future of the franchise. He's 30 years old. If the Pirates were to fall out of contention, and I keep saying that phrase as if it's in like doubt or something, it's not. 2022 isn't going to be their year, okay? And you can get yourself a good prospect or two, someone else to build up the system, okay, then go ahead. That's money well spent. Meaning that the team is not as much of an embarrassment as it's been the last two years, and you do something to supplement the system that doesn't involve giving away a longer-term baseball asset. What you're doing when you acquire a Yoshi, when you acquire a Tyler Anderson and players like that, is you're buying prospects. You don't announce that in the press release when you bring the player. You know, Tyler Anderson was a model citizen in Pittsburgh. Uh, the, The rest of the club loved him. He was a leader in a lot of ways. So he didn't come here with the attitude, well, I'm going to be here for a couple of months and then I'm going to be going somewhere else, even though he knew. He knew. He was signed to a one-year deal. He was, you know, an older guy on a team that wasn't going anywhere. It made perfect sense that he'd be gone, and he knew that. But he made the most of the situation for himself and helped the team out in the process. Yoshi wants to build up his value, meaning he wants to play, and he wants to play every day. That's something else that's become clear in these negotiations. Okay, great. Ben Charrington has hinted very strongly that there will be a place for him to play. I'm cringing if they're thinking right field, but I might be able to at least stomach that it'd be first base. Okay, go ahead. Make the team better in 2022. Stop being, here's the term again, an embarrassment at the Pittsburgh level and potentially do something to make things brighter down the road. It's a, it's a win-win. It's a win-win. It needs to get done. I, I, he was He made $6 million last year. Uh, the, the original contract that he signed in, in coming over from Japan was two years and $12 million. He's probably not going to get that. But pay him. Pay him. The money's there. The last thing anybody's worried about is whether or not there's enough money. Am I right? So whatever. When we come back, just one question. Jerry, who asks, if there's a work stoppage in Major League Baseball in 2022 and or beyond, do contract years expire during the stoppage or do they get pushed into the future? Contract years are based on what's known in the industry as service time. So you need to put in the service time to get the contract. If you're asking 
Jerry, if the entire 2022 season is lost, would the contracts then be pushed back a year? The answer is yes. However, however, there's some stickiness to this. If there's a partial work stoppage in 2022, so let's say that baseball is just gone for a couple months or so, then you'll see prorated versions of existing contracts be honored instead. Now, bear in mind this as well. Guaranteed contracts across professional sports, at least in the leagues that recognize guaranteed contracts, are honored regardless of a labor agreement or a change in the labor agreement. The best example of this that I can give is when the NHL went full bore to install its salary cap in 2004 and all of the rules changed. And yet, even though those rules involved individual maximum salaries, which now both the NHL and the NBA have, the players who had contracts before that, that in some cases immensely exceeded the NHL's new maximum salary, still had to be paid on those original contracts. Why? The contracts are independent of the labor agreement. They are a me and you thing, a team and a player thing. Both parties signed it. Both parties have to honor it. So they'll still get paid whatever it was that they were going to get paid. Where things end up getting a little screwier, for lack of a more graceful term, is that some of those players, at least a couple of them for sure, kind of become pariahs because the teams can no longer handle or navigate their deals in the new world under a cap. Yes, there's a grandfathering period to allow for some uh, gradual adjustments. Like if a guy was making $20 million a year and the new salary maximum is, is half of that, is $10 million, that player, you'll get a little bit of a grace period. This is the way it's been in other leagues that have installed a cap where you're, you'll get two, three years or whatever to kind of eventually get to where you need to be. But that player's contract, and I'm thinking of a name that very few of you listening to a baseball show would recognize, but Alexei Yashin, who was with uh, originally with the Ottawa Senators and then the New York Islanders, was making a ton of money for an eternity. And eventually... The Islanders had no choice but to buy him out. He was just too expensive. And by the way, not all that productive. You're going to see situations like that in any sport that puts in a cap. And Jerry, if you could see the smile on my face right now, just talking about a salary cap in baseball and knowing all of the good things that it brought to hockey and that it's brought for a much longer time to football, it doesn't even have to be a straight cap system. 
You know, it doesn't have to be the hard cap system. The proposal that the owners had already made to the Players Association, the plain and simple salary floor or whatever terminology they care to use to go along with it of $100 million and then having a 180 as a top on that, you have an $80 million range. You have additional revenue sharing, meaning the Dodgers have to part with some of their local TV money, which won't exactly break them. The sport's not completely fixed, but my goodness, what a difference that'd be. What a difference that'd make alone. And of course, the players just shot it down sight unseen. Total non-starter was what Tony Clark started calling it right off the bat. Anyway, Jerry, that's all I got. You got me all wound up here again. Let's let's do this again tomorrow. Mm-hmm.